Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us here on the Big X. And before I go any further, I want to stop and thank all of the area high school football coaches and a lot of the top players on Monday night for coming out our annual high school football media days program. And also Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, who helped me as the co-host for really what was about a two and a half hour program on Monday. We replayed a portion of that show yesterday. I was out and I know a lot of you have asked, how can I go back and listen? I want to hear my school. I want to hear what coach so-and-so had to say. It is available as a podcast the same way you get this show. So wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison and uh, you'll find it there. But uh, all of it, all the interviews, the entire show, uh, it is available as a podcast. And again, it was a great night thanks to the Jeffersonville uh, FOP Lodge 100 for allowing us to use their great facility to bring everybody in and to host the show there. A lot of fun to gather everybody just before the season kicks off on Friday night. And, of course, from a high school football perspective, uh, excited about a lot of the Week 1 games. I think the two that stand out to me the most are Silver Creek and Charlestown and then also Bloomington South and New Albany. Just two interesting games. Kind of curious to see, is Charlestown as good as what some of the rumblings say? And can New Albany bounce back with some new faces and some returners and maybe have another really good season here in the area? So those are two big games that I'll be following on Friday night. Uh, But high school sports are here. It's been nice this week to open up Twitter and see results and scores from uh, different sports that are underway. A lot of soccer games have been played so far this week and other sports as well, volleyball getting going. So just kind of fun to see all that again. It means that community sports and high school sports are back. The fall season rolls into the great winter season, which includes basketball and, of course, still ahead, uh, spring sports later this year with baseball and softball and just fun. It's uh, it's better when you've got high school sports going on to follow as well. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a moment, we'll have our news and headlines of the day as we take you through some IU basketball and football stuff, uh, also some, uh, some high school stuff to mention today as well here in this opening segment. Later today uh, in the show, segment two will be joined by Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. We'll talk some IU football, the quarterback race, the season opening game, which is inching closer and closer. Also get into some basketball with Dustin is with us today. And then we'll close out today with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, uh, who was with me for that big program on Monday night. And uh, we'll recap some of the things that Josh learned from the coaches and players on Monday. And we'll get you all set for week one of high school football coming up 
this Friday night. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You can send a text on IU football. The season is almost here. You can send a text on IU basketball. There's a lot of recruiting stuff going on, a lot of excitement about the upcoming season. And were you at a high school game last night? Any sport? Are you excited about a high school football game this weekend? Anything you want to say or a question that you have, we'll try to get it on the air. That number, 502-414-1450. And it's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevrolet Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. And that's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. It, uh, if you're not a member of Refreshing Rewards in that program, you can text REWARDS to 80313 today. That's 80313. Let's get into some of these headlines today. First off, uh, and this uh, this name, this blast from the past, uh, with IU basketball always makes me smile, but former IU basketball star DJ White, he was the Big Ten Player of the Year, I believe it was 2008, has announced his retirement from basketball. He announced that on Monday. Uh, he's uh, just a few weeks away from being 36 years old. He's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and has been playing overseas now for a number of years. Uh, but he was, uh, I got to know DJ when he was in high school. Uh, playing in the Nike circuit. It was so different back then than what it is now. Uh, but Mike Davis had those deep connections in Alabama and in the South where he had coached and where he was from. And uh, it was fun to see D.J. White in high school. He was quite the prospect and turned into a really solid player at Indiana as well. But uh, he is retiring from basketball, so it'll be interesting to see what's next if he tries to get into coaching or, or what could be next for uh, D.J. But he is definitely giving it up as far as his professional career. Also, thought this was neat. Gabe Cups, who's committed to IU in the 2023 class, uh, and also some other guys that Indiana is uh, trying to get uh, that they are recruiting are joining up for a fundraiser game down in Lexington, Kentucky. It's going to take place later this month on August 27th at Frederick Douglass High School in Lexington. And it's a charity game to raise money for the Kentucky Flood Relief Fund of the American Red Cross. And as you know, in eastern Kentucky, uh, some of the stories and some of the photos and videos that we have seen there uh, since the devastating floods have just been horrendous. And a lot of people doing a whole bunch to give to that area, support that area. And I think it's neat to see this opportunity come forward as well. It's called the uh, Midwest Charity Classic, and tickets are $25, which is expensive for a basketball game, a high school game. But keep in mind the profits, the proceeds uh, do go to the flood victims in eastern Kentucky. So good stuff. And if you want to see uh, Gabe Cups, also uh, Flory Badunga of Kokomo, uh, he is going to be in the game. Travis Perry, who's from Lyon County, Kentucky, that Indiana 
has uh, recruited, has shown interest in in the class of 2024. He's playing, and a few other names as well. So um, interesting to see that. There's some big names. Xavier Booker's going to play. Reed Shepard is going to play. He's committed to Kentucky. Caleb Glenn, uh, who's committed to Louisville, that used to be at Mail, that's Indiana recruited, who's now up at Lalamere. Uh, he is going to play, and uh, a lot of big names going to be in the game, so it should be fun. If you're looking for some hoops here in the offseason, August 27th, Gabe Cups will be there to kind of headline things from an IU perspective. Also, another basketball thing's actually a couple. Um, I thought this was interesting. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, who's with me on Thursdays, he, he did like a public records request to get the contracts for the non-conference games. And, you know, a lot of these games when Indiana's bringing in smaller opponents, they're paydays for those schools. It's how they raise money for their basketball program and for the travel and even sometimes for the whole athletics department. Uh, so just to run through these quickly, Marion University uh, for exhibition game gets $30,000 to play at Assembly Hall. St. Francis for an exhibition game, they get 15000 Moorhead State, a non-conference game, the season opener, they get $100,000 to come to Assembly Hall for one game. Bethune-Cookman, $105,000 to play. And then the little event that includes Miami of Ohio, Little Rock, Jackson State and Indiana, there's a company that manages that for Indiana, and Indiana basically for three games there paying a total of $270,000 for those games. And then Elon, when they come to town, to Bloomington, they'll make $95,000. Kennesaw State, $95,000. So an average of $95,000 for each of its seven guarantee non-conference games this season. And it should be no surprise, we've talked before about the big dollars that are involved in these non-conference guarantee games in college basketball, but that's a look at who's getting what uh, this year when they come to Bloomington. Uh, obviously, Indiana schedules those as warm-up games for the season. They're games that Indiana hopes that they not just beat but likely pound the other team. Uh, but you can see why for those teams, the experience of playing at Assembly Hall, uh, the notoriety of playing a high major opponent like Indiana, and most importantly, the payday they walk away with uh, something very uh, beneficial for their program and for their team. There is no question about that. Also, good news for the state of Indiana. I love to see Indiana, specifically our capital, Indianapolis, bring in big sporting events. It's good for Indianapolis. It's good for the metropolitan area. And really, it's good for us as basketball and sport fans as a whole here in the Hoosier State. And yesterday, uh, it was announced that the NIT, the National Invitational Tournament, which is owned now and operated by the NCAA, is not going to return to New York City's famed Madison Square Garden for its final rounds for the first time since 1938, I think except for the COVID year when, if I remember right, the NIT was somewhere down in Texas in a bubble that year. Uh, but no New York City, no Madison Square Garden. And the good news for sports fans here is that the 2023 semifinals and championship will be in Las Vegas. And then in 2024, the semifinals and NIT championship game will be played in Indianapolis. So uh, good news for that. Uh, obviously, you don't want to see Indiana in the National Invitational Tournament in the next few years. You want to see them playing in the NCAA Tournament, but still good for sports and college basketball I think, in our state. Uh, IU football, a couple things to mention there. Uh, we've been talking about different players for the upcoming season and trying to figure out what to expect by IU football. The big question is the quarterback race. 
who's going to be the starter against Illinois. A lot of people think Connor Bazelak will have that job when the season gets here. Tom Allen has said that he's not going to make an announcement. You'll find out when uh, game one gets here. There could be some ways to find out maybe uh, before that starting game. Obviously, he's going to tell the team. Uh, but it, there may really come down to the pe- players are on the field and both quarterbacks are warming up and you're trying to figure it out right at game time. But one player I had kind of forgotten about, he was a Ballard High School star and also played at UK, linebacker Jared Casey. Uh, Rick Bozich had a story on WDRB.com yesterday. He's kind of emerging as a player to watch this season for Indiana. Indiana able to nab him out of the transfer portal last fall. And uh, be interesting to see how he uh, plays this season for the Hoosiers. So kind of another face to add uh, to your list of players to watch uh, as this season gets underway. And another IU football note, not good news necessarily, but Jamar Johnson and Ty Freifogel both waived this week at various NFL training camps. The Broncos waived Jamar Johnson. And uh, trying to see here who uh, – who Freifogel was waived as well. But both of those guys, uh, it looks like, out for NFL football season uh, for the upcoming year. A couple high school notes to mention here in our opening segment. I hate to see this. I don't know that it's really happened very often in girls' basketball in our state, but Ashland Shade, who was or is a Connecticut recruit and is an absolute lock for Miss Basketball uh, in our state, she is leaving Noblesville High School for the Lalamere uh, Prep School, Elite High School, whatever you want to term it, up in northwestern Indiana. So she's going to play a national schedule with them, do a lot of traveling to prepare for the next chapter of her life is how she described the change. So uh, you hate to see the top-level players do this, especially in a state where high school basketball matters and those Mr. and Miss Basketball awards are still very coveted. Um, it's just kind of a, a, a jolt, I think, to the whole operation as the season is not too far away, especially the girls, which begins a little earlier than the boys' season. But uh, Shade, leaving uh, high school basketball in our state to play with Lalamere, who's not in a sectional and can't play in the postseason. She's not eligible for the Indiana All-Stars or the Miss Basketball Awards. So uh, definitely a loss for Indiana high school girls' basketball for the upcoming season. Shade is a very talented player and, uh, again, committed to UConn, expected to have a big career there, but she will not finish uh, as a high school basketball player in our state. Uh, That's a look at our headlines for this Wednesday edition of the program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you missed our high school football media days program from Monday, you can find it as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you will find us there. We're back to, uh, in just a moment, we're headed out to a commercial break. Uh, Dustin Dopirak is next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for 
all the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Wednesday program. The Thornton's text line is open. That number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald-Times is with us Wednesdays during this segment to talk IU basketball and football. And, Dustin, as we inch closer to the season opener for the football Hoosiers, still a lot of questions remain. The quarterback competition, and it sounds like we may not really have an answer on that, at least the fans won't until game time of the Illinois game. And just kind of uh, some question marks overall about different areas of the team and different newcomers and even the coaching staff, some new folks. And I know you have had a chance here in recent weeks to see bits and pieces of some of the fall camp practices. You also have had a chance to talk with some of the coaches uh, and media and other, and, and of course, Tom Allen, as they've been made available in media sessions. Uh, so help us unpack maybe some of what you've learned over the last week or so as we head straight toward the college football season. Yeah, I mean, I think we have learned a lot. I mean, we, we obviously, you know, we're, we're limited at practice. You know, we're limited in terms of what we're supposed to disclose from practice. Uh, you know, they're, they're, we're not getting a whole lot. And there are a few things where they're like, well, don't tell anybody that. Um, they, they just really don't want to give things away uh, as far as, you know, who's going to be pl- – less who's going to be playing – just what they're going to be doing, who the quarterback is going to be. Basically, they're trying to go for every bit of uh, not subterfuge, but mystery that that they can have uh, in time for the opener. And 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 as you know, Tom Allen said, he expects to make a decision on quarterback uh, relatively soon. They have another scrimmage on Friday, and not long after that, that he wants to pull the trigger. He wants everybody in camp to know who the quarterback is, but he doesn't want anybody outside of it to know who that is. And he's not going to tell us until um, kickoff. Basically, and we'll probably be able to figure it out before kickoff based on, you know, how they come out and, and who's doing what with who uh, when it comes to, you know, just this pregame warmups and whatnot. Um, but he's not making a call until that day. He wants to have a guy, and given that it's between Connor Bazelak and uh, Jack Tuttle, it doesn't make sense to have a, a rotation. There's not enough difference between those two guys in terms of style uh, to not just pick one guy out of that two. But uh, he's trying to trying to you know compete that as much as possible. But I mean, I think in terms of how he's described how they've talked about the other positions, I think you can at least get a sense of of who is going to be part of the rotation, even if you don't know who's going to run out there first. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know clearly I think they're happy with guys like Sean Shivers and Josh Anderson at running back. They really really like Cam Camper at wide receiver, the uh, the junior college transfer, uh, Emory Simmons as well. I think Javon Swinton has put himself in a pretty good position. Um, uh, Donovan McCauley, they like what he's done, uh, even though they, they're pretty open about the fact that he has to figure out how to play receiver and the nuances involved. Uh, but they obviously like the body and, 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 and the IQ, which is just processing all the specifics uh, for him as a, as a converted quarterback. Um, and, you know, they, they've, they've, I think, you know, basically laid out, I think, who they think that their linemen are going to be. Um, and gone through on defense and told you basically gone through the list of who they think is going to be, uh, you know, playmakers. Uh, you, you know, if there's competition, I think, you know, for instance, a linebacker, um, you know, with Aaron Casey and Bradley Jennings at the mic and Cam uh, Jones and uh, Jared Casey at the stinger. But I think all four of those guys are going to play. Um, you know, Demarcus Elliott, uh, CO, JH Tevis, 
uh, Patrick Lucas and, and uh, Ladarius Cox with defensive tackle, but I think they're all going to play. You know, James Head and Bo Robbins, they really like that they've gotten from both of those guys. I think they're both going to play. You know, uh, the Bulls, you know, they talk a lot about uh, Lance Bryan and, and Miles Jackson and, and Deshaun McCullough. Even I think all three of those guys are going to play. Um, so I think they've, they've laid out, I think, a lot in terms of who, who they expect their impact guys to be. Um, and I, I just think you're going to see big rotations at a lot of positions. Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times, my guests. Keeping with IU football for just a moment, uh, things get underway for the Hoosiers with that Illinois game. When we look at the, the body of work, the whole schedule this year, uh, how important is that opener for IU uh, in their quest for a bowl game? I mean, that's still the goal for this team. I know there are some that think it's possible, others that don't agree with that sentiment. Uh, but how important in the overall scheme of, the, of things is a win over Illinois and a good start to the season? Because some of those very winnable games come after the Illinois game, uh, some of the non-conference games. If Indiana's going to have a chance, they almost have to get those. But how important is the opener for, from that bowl game? standpoint uh extremely i mean i, I think um if, if you're being obje- if, if you're standing outside of it and being objective I and mean, obviously they can't go into a season thinking that there's anybody that they can't beat that's not a good approach um you know no matter who you are but i mean if, you, if you're looking at this from the outside you and, and you're trying to handicap it obviously you have to just you know pencil in uh ohio state michigan michigan state and penn state as losses uh you, you have to kind of just presume those are going to be else um, and, you know, a lot of those others are going to be tough, too. I mean, Cincinnati is going to be a tough one as a non-conference game. Um, so if, if you – I mean, obviously Cincinnati lost a lot with Desmond Ritter and, um, you know, Soft Gardner and, and Alec Burke and a lot of those dudes. I mean, there's, they're, they're not nearly as formidable as they were, but they still got some pieces. They still have a chance to be a top 25 team. Um, so now you're talking about probably five uh, that, that you can almost for sure say uh, are going to be defeat. So if, if you're going to survive, you need – to beat Maryland, beat Rutgers, um, and I mean, shoot, Purdue. You're 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 a dog against Purdue. You're a substantial dog against Purdue, and then so now you're really down. To, you know, you're really down to six at that point. So you've got to get Illinois, and you've got to get you know West Kentucky, and you've got to get Ohio, Idaho, and you've got to get Rutgers, and you've got to get Maryland, uh, and you got to hope for Nebraska. And and basically, I mean, you you, you gotta you you gotta operate on the presumption that you're going over in November. Uh, you know, with, even with Purdue at the end. I mean, basically, I mean, that's still a, a pretty good team. They obviously lost some important pieces with David Bell moving on. Um, but that was still a formidable, formidable team. And Aiden O'Connell is, is one of probably the, you know, certainly he's after C.J. Stroud, but, I mean, he might be a top three, top four quarterback in the league. Um, so, you know, you, you got to look at Purdue as a really as a game you're going to be a significant underdog in. Um, so you got to get Illinois and Nebraska. you got to get Rutgers and Maryland. And you've got to get Idaho and um uh, and Western Kentucky. I mean, those those are all must, I think. So basically, right out of the gate, um, you really can't afford a mulligan there because you know if, if you're not getting that one, you need to make it up against somebody, and it probably has to be Purdue, and that's a lot. That's that's not a small order. Obviously, that's a home game this year, um, but it's still uh, it's still not easy. So you know, it's it's really 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 important if they get get a win right out of the gate because they'll 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 be behind the eight ball fast if they can't get Illinois at home. Yeah, I agree. Big one uh, for Indiana. And you got to beat Nebraska on the road, too. Yeah, Absolutely. So. Yeah, I agree. Big one for IU in the opener uh, this season, especially. No, no question about that. want to get into some basketball with you as well, Dustin. Um, 
DJ White, uh, a former IU player, I think he was Big Ten Player of the Year in 2008, announced his retirement from professional basketball uh, earlier this week. And I bring that up because we get so caught up in the current team and what's going on in the offseason and, of course, recruiting. But sometime taking a look at some former IU players, and I've even had a lot of the former guys on before, uh, it's just fun and different. And I think back to DJ White, and I think of Mike Davis, and I can remember uh, Coach Davis recruiting him with those strong ties to uh, Alabama, the Alabama Lasers and the old Nike setup that it used to be. And he was always a fun guy to interview, uh, a, a great player in high school, ended up becoming a fine college player as well. But I think IU fans generally look back on D.J. White with uh, a lot of appreciation and uh, respect for what he d- did during his time at IU. No, certainly. I mean, I think he was – I mean, had a terrific IU career despite being in in the midst of a lot of uh, a lot of controversy and, and, and not, not, you know, created by him at all but around him. Um, and managed to, you know, just just sort of hold things together uh, to a certain extent and be, uh, you know, one of the best players uh, on those teams, basically. And so, um, just again, just terrific career. I mean, it, you know, even 2008 when things were going crazy, uh, you know, DJ White holding that, he just holding that together as much as he can and really became an anchor for them up front. Uh, and had a solid professional career. And I'm trying to think of, I mean, I didn't realize he was still kicking anywhere. Um, but, you know, all, you know, was, uh, was effective for some teams. Got to play in the NBA for a while. Um, you know, moved moved around a little bit. But you know, I, I think people absolutely you know look upon his uh, career with fondness. Basically, that he stuck around. You know, like stuck around when Mike Davis left. He stuck around through the Samson things. He was at least there. Uh, you know, toward the end, trying to keep those guys uh, you know functional. Uh, you know, once Samson had to be let go, um, and and it and was just very effective, very good. You know. Just extremely talented player, and and like you said, I mean, just really likable guy. Um, you know, I wasn't around for that, but I mean, I, I have inter- been parts of interviews with him before. Just you know, just really just warm character generally, and and yeah, I think uh, over the last twenty five years has to be one of the most likable guys uh, that uh, b- biggest fan favorites I would say that Indiana has had. Talking with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times, uh, staying with basketball now. Uh, looking at the upcoming season, some big games on the schedule, uh, the non-conference games, obviously the North Carolina game, the Kansas game, and some others highlight that part of the season. But Alex Bozich had a, a very interesting little story yesterday where he uh, told you or told us the uh, told us the dollar amounts that some of these teams are getting paid uh, to come in and play some of these non-conference games, the smaller schools, the the guarantee games, I guess you call it, of the non-conference schedule. And it's still amazing to me that $100,000 for Moorhead State and $105,000 for Bethune-Cookman to come play a game at Assembly Hall. Just amazing how uh, some of the business side of college sports works and uh, that these uh, smaller schools – use these opportunities to not only get a good experience and play in front of a big crowd and play in assembly hall, but they get paid. It helps fund their season and their program as well. No, hundred percent. And, and I mean, and, and this is still a bargain. Um, basketball, basketball lag games are still a bargain, um, especially for Indiana. Um, you know, it, it, it is not, you know, it, it's not hard to find that hundred thousand dollars at all. You more than make that back at the gate uh, to bring in some home games. I mean, that's, that's the goal obviously is Indiana has to have, you know, so many home games to fund its uh, its department, and you know they will if they, they can spend a hundred hundred thousand dollars on the on the team and still profit. 
uh, six figures from the game. Um, so, so that's easy. I mean, you know, you got to pay uh, to do something similar in football. I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, 750 to 100 to 750,000 to a million dollars. So a hundred is still a bargain uh, for basketball teams. And, and yeah, no, I mean, and, and, and now obviously uh, the flip side of that is, is if you're a basketball program, you can make that your entire business model. And uh, that's, I, I, for, for a long time, I kind of felt bad for players that did that, but I, 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 I think, you know, Mike Davis is really, we mentioned him already. Uh, Mike Davis has done that for years at small schools and, and, and made it a luxury for them because basically if you, when you bring that much money in to the department, they'll let you travel in a little bit more style than you'd think. And, and a lot of times they spend most of November and December on the road uh, where they'll barely play a home game until they get in the conference play and they have to, but they take those games and it does absolutely fund their departments, um, for sure. And, and if, if you're a small program, especially if you're not playing football, if you don't have a football program, uh, that, that is one of the best ways that you can you know, gain money for your department, and that leads to scholarships for a whole lot of other people. Um, and it ends up being you know, not as bad as you think. You end up playing in, in some places you wouldn't ordinarily play. Um, so it's not as bad of a deal for the player as you would expect. Um, I would say it, it ends up being a pretty cool deal where you can play at a place like Assembly Hall uh, and whatnot. But it, yeah, no, the finances of, of the entire thing are, are very interesting. Uh, obviously, these programs have figured out that they can leverage that to some extent, um, but it, it ends up working out for everybody. Again, I mean, Indiana still makes, you know, I, I, Indiana can pay its opponent $100,000 and still profit on the game by a lot. Um, and the same, same deal goes for bigger football programs. Ohio State can, can pay somebody a million dollars to come in and play a football game and still profit by a lot um, as far as just what they bring in the gate to say nothing about TV on top of that. Um, so ultimately, it's, it, it, it is, you know, that, that's what makes the world go round, obviously, and that's, uh, that, that's how college sports is financed. That's how it's moved is, is you know, the big programs draw in the people. They are able to charge ticket prices. Uh, and they're able to pass that down, and it trickles down to some of these smaller programs who come in there and, and cut a big paycheck. Uh, you know, obviously, you know they know they're in demand, um, so they do. Uh, they are asking for higher and higher prices. Uh, but basketball hasn't skyrocketed nearly like football has, so it's still very much a deal for Indiana to do that. Dustin Dopierak, the Bloomington Herald Times. Sorry, Mike. we're bringing it out here. In the, uh, sorry. Go ahead. You're, you're good, Bloomington Herald Times. My guest, Dustin, uh, had somebody text this in, and this is a good good point here. I hadn't I hadn't looked at this or hadn't heard anything. Has there been any update or finalization of the Big Ten uh, TV rights media deal? We we talked about the networks. I think last time you were on that were leading the race, and we think likely it's headed to Fox and CBS and NBC, NBC for the first time in a long time. But I haven't seen any kind of finalization of that or any announcement that that's a done deal. Any update? Have you seen anything on the media rights for the conference? I, I haven't seen any, anything new. I, I haven't checked Twitter in about 10 minutes, so <laughs> you, you never know. Um, but, no, I mean, obviously they've been working through that, and, and it, it, like – um, certainly the specifics take a lot longer than we think. Um, you know, obviously I think this, the, the big news um, was still basically that ESPN's out. Uh, you know, that, that, that uh, you know, that seems to have been confirmed by enough sources, uh, by people who are really doing the reporting. I mean, I, I, I'll, you know, I have not been at the forefront of this at all, but guys like, you know, John Doran at, at, uh, at, at SBJ, at, at the Sports Business Journal. And uh, I know our Zach Osterman has been a lot more on top of it uh, than I am. He's been really, you know, on that beat really for years. So I kind of let him take control, you know, uh, continue just the reporting that he's done on that. So he's got, he's more sourced up on that. Um, but you know, there's a lot of, 
bit I's and T's and whatnot that need to be crossed there, you know, dotted and crossed and such uh, when it comes to the legal legal bit of it and getting to a specific, uh, you know, fine number. Uh, so I'm not surprised that it's taken a little bit longer once it seems like the major details have been ironed out and it's at least has reached the point that actually not even the major details, but just basically they have decided who their partners are going to be, uh, who they're going to be negotiating with, that it's not going to be ESPN and they, they've sort of determined who they want to be with. Um, that it's going to be Fox, CBS, and NBC, and they can go on specifics from there. Um, but, you know, they, that, that's probably going to take a while before the big number comes out. Um, not too long. I mean, obviously, I, I don't expect to be waiting, uh, you know, more than, you know, weeks. Uh, I have a hard time imagining it's going to take months before you see a final, final number out there. But, uh, but still, the big news is just ESPN being out, and that's a big deal, uh, considering how long – you know, the Big Ten has been had some type of agreement with either ABC or ESPN or both. Uh, it's going to be really weird to, you know, um, see the network of Keith Jackson not have Big Ten football. That's going to be something to that. That's going to take some adjustment, I think. Yeah, no question. I, I someone had said uh, uh, last week sometime when uh, no finalization, you know, press release or announcement had come out that perhaps, and there's a lot of, I think, assuming here that. Uh, behind the scenes, some of these networks were encouraging the Big Ten to add a couple more teams and expand uh, its reach in other parts of the country, and maybe more teams in the western part of the country. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever know if that's true or not, but uh, it is interesting because TV networks have so much to do with all this. There's so much money involved that uh, they ha- would be maybe the lone party that could, could ask that of a conference or make requests that others wouldn't or couldn't. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's not a demand that they, Hey, this will make you this. If, if, if you, if you go get, you know, Oregon and Oregon state, or if you go get Stanford and Cal, like this is how much your, um, you know, this is how much your rights go up. This is how much more valuable you are to us. Um, if you go do this, you know, I mean, look, Stanford and Cal, I think would be a big one to say, all right, like this is how much the San Francisco market is worth to you. You know, uh, this is how much it, it, it of a difference it, it would make if, you know, if, if you could just help out the, the L.A. schools and just make sure they have, you know, travel partners and people they can go play uh, without going across across half the country or more. Um, you know, the TV partners could absolutely move that along and say, hey, the weekend we think you should do this. Now, Stanford and Cal and Oregon, Oregon State or whoever else want to be a part of it have to make their own decisions uh, in terms of what they want to be a part of and see what. Uh, media rights deals would be like for, you know, sticking in the Pac-12, or what would, um, it, you know, do they do they want to travel with us at all? What's the offset cost? Uh, that whole deal. I mean, they, they, there's obviously still some agency there, um, but no, I mean, TV has been moving the needle this entire time, so um, that's always going to be the case. That's that that's why, you know, Indiana decided it, or uh, the Big Ten decided it wanted. Sorry, somebody's out cutting it here, cutting the grass. Um, that's why they decided they wanted USC, USC and UCLA in the first place, why they wanted Rutgers and Maryland, um, is to involve themselves in television markets they haven't been a part of, and that, um, that just you know, increases your media rights. And so you know, that's what all this is about. You can make a lot more money um, you know, from media than you ever can sell on tickets. Dustin Dopirak, Bloomington Herald Times. My guest, Dustin, uh, I couldn't hear where you said you were at, but it sounds like a lot going on 
Uh, this, this, just, just, just my front porch. <laughs> we, we got people cutting grass. We got people just banging tunes out of their uh, out of their jeeps today. It's, it is a, it is happening on Parker Avenue. Well, well, I'm so used to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, depending on the day and time of year, that some of the IU guys we have, like you and Zach, are at Memorial Stadium for football press conferences. Mm-hmm. So when I hear alarms and things, I mean, we've had Zach on with. Uh, uh, the bullhorn going in the background with Coach yeah. Allen and di- mm-hmm. different things. So I never know where you guys are at. So I, I had to ask. It's but true. It's true. Sounds like a lively Wednesday neighborhood. Kind of the off day. So okay. Yeah, we're not. Right. We're, we're at camp tomorrow, but not today. <laughs> Good to know, Dustin. As always, thanks for the chat. We'll talk with you next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. We will head to a commercial break and come back with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. We've got Week One. High school football just a few days away. That big Silver Creek and Charlestown game, it's the big one. But lots of other good games here in week one. We'll talk about all of them next and recap our Monday night high school preview show. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Wednesday program. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is my guest as we talk local sports in this segment. And obviously, Josh, today, a lot of high school football conversation. You were kind enough and did an outstanding job joining me Monday night. We had a marathon program talking to all of the high school coaches and top players in the area from Clark and Floyd Counties, our high school football media days program. I'm curious, maybe a couple takeaways. What did you learn uh, that stood out to you that evening from some of the coaches when they were with us? Um, you know, it was really great to, just to hear from them and kind of get get updates on their te- their teams and their players. Uh, you know, I, I guess my big takeaway is uh, uh, still kind of what I thought going in is that Charlestown's going to be pretty good and uh, they might end up uh, – being the most successful team we have locally this season. Yeah, definitely. The I think Marker is on Charlestown, and they start with a big one on Friday night as they play host to Silver Creek. So a challenge, a rivalry game, a conference game right out of the gate for Coach Hawkins and the Pirates. Yeah, it's a huge game. You know, I, this is the first time they've been able to host this game, uh, you know, for the last few years. Uh, Silver Creek's had it the last three years at their place, so – I know Charlestown is really, uh, really, really looking forward to having this game on their on their home field and, uh, you know, kind of defending their home turf. But yeah, it's um, looking back. Charlestown has uh, had some had some difficulties the first two weeks of the season. Uh, for the last three years, they've lost their first two games of the season. So to Silver Creek and Brownstown. So if they can they can win this one and. and uh, you know, maybe maybe get maybe get next week too at Brownstown, then they might they might have a shot at going uh, you know undefeated during the regular season. Obviously, that's a long way off, but but uh, you know that's a possibility if if they can get through these first two games. But 
Silver Creek, you know, obviously isn't gonna isn't gonna lay down and, and uh, give the game to them. They're gonna fight for it too. So I think it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of who steps up for Silver Creek, uh, and uh, you know what kind of after they lost Trey Shane and LaShawn Mays and you know some other guys who steps up for Silver Creek and who makes plays. Yeah, definitely. Uh, other games uh, interesting. Of course, week one's interesting for everybody, even if you're not. Uh, projected to have a good season. There's always excitement in the air to start the year. But the other big game I think I'm really curious is New Albany and Bloomington South. New Albany had such a great run a year ago. They lost so many of those key players. They've got some guys back with experience. But there are some new faces for the Bulldogs as well that I'm excited to see. And Bloomington South obviously is always a challenge, especially in week one. So that's that's another game I've got circled to see how New Albany does, win or lose in that game that might tell us what type of year they could have in the Hoosier Hills Conference. Yeah, me too. Uh, totally agree. Uh, New Albany, coming off that great season last year, you know, one of the best seasons in history. You know, they won the sectional and then won their first first ever regional title. So that was, uh, you know, just a great year. But they lost so, so much on offense, uh, you know, so like 6,000 yards total offense, something like that. They lost their, you know, quarterback, top two running backs, top two receivers. So, you know, that is really going to be uh, interesting to see what they have on offense, but defensively, man, this team should be really good. If, uh, you know, if, if everybody plays like, like they should, uh, you know, they've got a couple, couple transfers from across the river, uh, from Louisville and, uh, you know, the, the William Spencer from, from mail, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what, uh, what, what the Bulldogs can do on defense. You know, I think defense is really going to be, uh, their strength this year and we'll see how far, um, that can carry them, uh, especially in week one against Bloomington South and then, you know, week two against Gibson Southern as well. Absolutely. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is my guest. We're talking high school football week one coming up on Friday night. Silver Creek, Charlestown, our game of the week, uh, but obviously some big, interesting matchups across the board in week one. Do you have a sleeper team? I think we both agree Charlestown and maybe New Albany could be at the top of the list as far as expected to compete for conference championships and have some success. Uh, I'm curious your sleeper team because, Josh, after uh, our interviews on Monday night, I I learned so much both on and off air from Coach Isaac Parker at Jeff that I think the Red Devils may be one of my sleeper teams this year. I think they're going to be better than what we presume or or thought they may be. What, what, What do you have as far as a sleeper in the area? Do you agree with Jeff? Yeah, I think I think they could be a sleeper, and I also like uh, uh, Providence and uh, Clarksville. Actually, uh, Providence, you know, has a has a really young team, uh, but they they've only got three seniors. But they're not they not they may appear young on paper, but they're not quite that young because uh, a lot of the juniors played last year as sophomores and started. So I think they have a chance to be, uh, um, especially in the postseason. I think they have a chance to to do well because they've got so many guys coming back uh, you know they uh, um, the, their sectional is uh, they're dropping down to class a this year so I think they have a chance to be successful in the postseason and then uh, uh, Clarksville you know they they uh, they could be a sleeper team as well I think uh, just just from the fact that they have uh, you know it really helps they have six home games this year um, you know that's always nice but if uh, if Clarksville can get that first First win, they they host uh, Scottsburg on Friday night. If they can get if they can get a win at Scottsburg, I think that might give them some momentum, 
you know, going into the rest of the season because uh, their schedule is, you know, it, it, they still have some games against Class 3A teams uh, like Charlestown, so those will be difficult. But um, they, they have some winnable games maybe the rest of the way um, uh, later in the season. So I think they could get some momentum heading into the postseason as well. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. A lot of the things we're talking about, including all of Josh's previews of high school football teams, you can read them at newsandtribune.com slash sports. And Josh is with us here Mondays, excuse me, Wednesdays on the program. Josh, uh, switching gears, a little baseball for a minute. I understand that Drew Ellis in the AAA system of the Mariners, he's been having some big games uh, for Tacoma. And then Josh Rogers uh, has been uh, picked up by the Marlins and is with one of their affiliates as well. So a few updates, a few good uh, changes possibly for some of our local baseball alumni. Yeah, Drew Ellis has been on uh, he's been on an absolute tear so far in in August. Uh, I don't know exactly what he's hitting, but um, uh, the other night he had two home runs, I believe, and he's uh, he's really been on fire to start the start the month. So that's um, you know that's great for him. That's great to see. You know, maybe uh, you know maybe he'll he'll get a chance to get called up later in the season. I don't know, but uh, yeah. And then and Josh Rogers, he's um, you know he was he was with the Nationals, got. Uh, Got got optioned back to their AAA team, but he elected to, to become a free agent. So then the Marlins picked him up, and he was uh, uh, sent him to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, which is a, just a nickname I love. Their AAA <laughs> affiliate, so uh, he he's there. But uh, yeah, he's 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 still uh, he's still he's still plugging away, and you know, hopefully he you know he had he started off the season really well with Washington, um, but then had. Had some arm, had some, had an injury, and had to go back down for, had to go in rehab for a while, and then back down to the to the minors to try to, to try to rehab it. But uh, you know, hopefully, he gets back to big league soon. Yeah, been fun to follow some of our local guys, and uh, we wish him the best. But Ellis uh, having some great games recently, and we hope that uh, Josh uh, Rogers settles in with his new team in Jacksonville. And who knows, uh, the Marlins, uh, you know, maybe could can use some help. So. Uh, to see him get a chance to get back to the show and pitch would be uh, a big deal. Josh Cook, my guest. Josh, as we close out, it's just been nice this week to see uh, scores and updates and uh, who beat who in all sorts of fall sports uh, when you open up your Facebook and, and uh, Twitter streams and uh, scrolling through the paper this morning and, and just lots of uh, early season game soccer. There have been a number of matches so far. Volleyball is is underway as well. I know it makes you guys back in, in the busy period, which really doesn't end now until uh, next summer. But uh, it's good to see uh, a lot of activity here locally. It means high school sports is back, high school football getting ready to begin. And before you know it, it'll be basketball time here in the area. That's right. It's uh, you know it'll it'll be here before we know it exactly, just like you said. But uh, yeah, the the big thing that I've been happy about uh, this week is is the weather. The weather's been absolutely great this week, and and uh, you know uh, it's not it's not too hot, it's not too cold. So and uh, hopefully that continues Friday night for football. And you know I, as uh, as you mentioned the other night in our previous show, you know there a couple of years ago we had uh, had some really bad storms on opening night that kind of kind of threw a wrench in the plans, but I think, uh, knock on wood this year, I think we'll be okay weather-wise, but it's just been absolutely great weather, and, uh, you know, we're excited about that, and uh, and Friday night should be should be a great night for football, and uh, really looking forward to it, and 
Oh yeah, New New Albany. I guess uh, is going to have a halftime guest this week, right? That's right. Romeo's supposed to be there at halftime. That's right. Romeo Langford coming in Friday, and then the court uh, dedication. His name uh, all across it on uh, Saturday. They'll do that at the doghouse. So uh, a big weekend. Romeo going to be back in New Albany. It sounds like. Yeah, it's an exciting time. So that's great for him and uh, New Albany as well. Absolutely, Josh Cook. Sports editor of the News and Tribune. If you missed our preview show on Monday, you can go back to our podcast feed and find all of our interviews with every coach, all the players there. You can listen to it and get caught up uh, for high school football here this Friday night. Josh, thanks for your help with that Monday program. A lot of fun. We need to do it again for basketball coming up here in just a few months. And uh, thanks, as always, for your Wednesday segment with us. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks thanks for having me today, and thanks for having me uh, again on Monday night. It was a good time. Absolutely. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday program.